Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, do you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Blue Collar BS helps blue collar business owners like you build a business that will thrive for decades to come by turning that blue collar bull crap into some blue collar business solutions. In this episode, you're going to learn how this school district connects with its business and students for education and career opportunities, how students and education have changed over the last decade, and what businesses can do to connect with their school. Our guest today, Jim Mitchell, is passionate is a passionate educator, bridging the gap between industry and education. Jim shares what he has seen in changes of students and employers throughout his career. I hope you enjoy this show as much as we did putting it together. Welcome back to this episode of Blue Collar BS. Um, as you can see and or possibly hear, Mr. Doyle did not bring us into this episode as he is off away on some family matters and some things and hopefully having some fun. But I know he will not have as nearly as much fun as I'm going to have today with our guest, um, Jim Micklig, who is, uh, I was had the pleasure of meeting through the Home Building Trades Foundation of Greater Milwaukee Board of Directors. Um, and got involved with him through that activity and what he is doing with uh, the high schools and his Connect Academy in the Muskego Norway School District. Um, this guy's got so much information and talent to provide us today that I am super excited to have you here, Jim. So let's have some fun today. Welcome. Uh, Brad, thank you. Looking forward to the conversation and uh, definitely appreciate all your kind words. So hopefully I can live up to the hype that you just put out there. I am very confident if you actually share all the knowledge you have about our pre-meeting conversation that this is going to be a a massively impactful episode, um, not only for the younger generations that might be listening, but also for the business owners to get a better understanding of, of what's really going on in the world today. So I'm super excited. And since Steve's not here to ask the first question or miss it, I'm going to take that for him. And the first question we typically ask our guests is, which generation do you identify with? And you can either talk about it for what generation you were born into or what generation you might behave better with. Yeah, and, and Brad, I know the conversation we had before this is a little hard for me to say out loud. But for the data and the research that's there, uh, it states that I am a millennial. Um, I always thought I was more of a zillennial, the in between the Gen Xers and the millennial, but uh, data and the research says that I'm a millennial. Um, but I will say, yeah, you pointed the bubble. Uh, I will say though, definitely, um, grew up with my grandfather being a union electrician, tinkering in his workshop, helping him on job sites, 
mom is a hardworking Gen Xer, so I would definitely say I kind of have a lot of traits and attributes that you would normally equate to what we even say to the baby boomers of the Gen X generation and not some of the traits that we attribute to the millennials that are out there nowadays. I would uh, I would agree, just knowing you a little bit that I do, that that would be a uh, a valid statement that your behaviors aren't necessarily in alignment with the generation upon which you were born in. I would agree. So Thank you. you can take you can take you can take that as a win today if you'd like. There we go. <laughs> one one win for the day. I'm loving it. So um, talk to me a little bit about what the Muskego Norway School District has done with the Connect Academy and and what makes that program unique to your area and, and to uh, provide opportunity not only for the businesses, but for the uh, young young adults that are in the district? Yeah, it's a great, great question. As we look at what is Connect Academy, and we were asked the question just over five years ago now, how do we take this little thing we were doing in our system and help our community, help all students, and uh, help all of our stakeholders with our business partners and everyone that's involved. And what I'm kind of getting at with that is we did have work-based learning programs. We had opportunities for speakers to come in and talk to our kids. But what we were finding five years ago is that it was happening on silos because we are a large organization. We're right. one of the larger high schools in the state of Wisconsin. And so if you had this teacher or knew this person, you may have the opportunity and we just weren't streamlining experiential learning for all students to help them make those informed decisions about life after high school. And so we sat down with the team, our district leadership team, brought in some strong community partners. And through those conversations, uh, Connect Academy was born. What is Connect Academy? It's the umbrella program for all experiential learning. It's to help guide our students through our system so that they can make informed decisions when they leave us about the right career path for them. Because as we, we know, and we've had conversations, Brad, like we are in a workforce crisis. Right. And for us to wait four years or more after they graduate high school to enter the workforce because they're floundering around and still not knowing what to do, we felt we were doing an injustice to our students and our community and our business partners. So. We developed Connect Academy, which is our umbrella program for all experiential learning. It okay. gives our business partners, our students, our parents, our community members a place to go to to ask the right questions or ask the questions to the right people, I should say, gotcha. so that we can start connecting and guiding them in the right directions for whether it is an internship where students are on coming to school for part of the day and working and getting that experience and certifications that align to future careers, or it's our career fair where we are just bringing in people from the field to talk to our students about just even classes they should be taking if these are fields they want to go into before they even leave the system. So you've said experience, just for, for clarification for our audience that might be listening, um, just kind of go through and briefly explain what experiential learning means, because um, that might be a new term to some of the folks um, that are listening. And, you know, experiential learning to to many might be on the job, on the job training. And that might might correlate, that might not. So give us an explanation of experiential learning. Yeah, it, experiential learning is on the job training. Experiential learning is actually experience and doing. 
Um, we've broken it down into six levels, one being a very light touch and six being uh, the heaviest touch where students are on a job site working for an employer. Um, we have a lot of students that are out working with local contractors, getting paid, then getting a youth apprenticeship through the Department of Workforce Development. Mm -hmm. And so that is experiential learning, but then also we have some activities and different tours and stuff that we go on to where the kids can see firsthand. So it's a lighter touch, but it's still getting the experience of the work world, of the professional world, not just staying inside our brick and mortar buildings where education happens. Okay. All right. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so you put the program together five years ago. How's the relationship work between the school district and the um, business leaders and the businesses in the community? What is what is that uh, relationship or how did you go about fostering that to get the uh, support from the community? It's a gr uh, great, great question. You know, I guess the first thing you say is, how did you go about kind of fostering or getting some of that? Muskego has always been very fortunate to have a strong relationship with its Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Chris Andernford over there, the executive director, is very passionate and we have an education for mentoring committee. So okay. there was one avenue that we just connected with and bridged into our community. Impro is a very strong uh, community partner and they kind of sat down with our team and helped us envision and dream how do we get bigger. But outside having some just initial relationships with people who have always worked with our school system, I would say it, it's been the grind. You know, um, it, it's, it, I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, you want to get it done. It's, it's no different than selling a product, right? I'm selling to our business partners that there is a return on investment if they work with this 17-year-old kid, that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, for all business partners, it might not be in year one. It could be three to four years after you start working with me. But, but just knocking on the doors, making the phone calls, making the connections with the Home Building Trades Foundation, um, going to uh, Brad, where did we first meet? It was the Metropolitan Builders Build, Association. Yeah, Builders Association B two B. Mr. Yeah. Brett Hyde made the connection, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. Brett, you're just you know talking to Brett and Brett going, Jim. I don't know if this fits or doesn't fit. Would you be willing to come? And the answer is always yes. You know how how do you network to help support? And from the school perspective, and just my philosophy is. If I'm not out there talking to our business community, I don't really know what they need. And I'm just throwing darts at a dartboard, hopefully something sticks. So just the, you know, we had some strong partnerships, but then, you know, since it started, I'm always knocking on doors and finding where I can connect with our business community to just help us all work together. So over that five-year period from start to today, has there been a consistent um, a consistent need brought forward from your business partners as to what they're looking for in in that employment person and that ability in that person that they want to try to hire or employ are there are there characteristics or um, commonality or is there a common theme that people are looking for uh, I would say the most common that spans all sixteen career clusters is they want to know if the kid's going to show up. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you, you tell me I'm wrong, Brad. And I say if the kid's going to show up. I think I, they want to know that any human being is going to show up and show up on time. So that's the 
the biggest theme I can say. I will tell your listeners today, we track the soft skills and an employability survey here for all of our students working. Uh, rated number two on our survey is um, our students' ability to show up uh, and be on. So it's like two and three. So the so, Muskego Norway school students aren't perfect, but they're going to show up. So you have someone that you can work with. So let's let's just talk about that just a little bit, right? Let's just talk about that show up on time piece to it. And and you've been in education and school and teaching, and you know you grew up in your. Unfortunately, you're a millennial, um, <laughs> right? About what time means. And, I know, but that's okay. You still won. You still won because you don't behave like that, um, <laughs> right? Because you do have that respect for time. You do have that show up, be there, be present. Um, and, and I guess, is there a, what's, what's the take or what do you see as to why the devaluing of that commitment might be going on in in our students, in our workforce, in as what have you seen from that perspective, right? Yeah, I, I again, there's no so I have concrete data for you that we can talk about, and then there's stuff that I just don't have concrete. These are observations right. that I over time. We are in from what I'm starting to observe is that we are in a fast paced society, and there's multiple things going on. And I would say, and this is fact, every parent for, wants the best for their children. And so some of what I think kind of trickles into the lack of respect for time or showing up is families and students and just humans in general trying to do everything. Um, they are trying to be a part of this activity, this job, this, 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 and this, and they spread themselves thin. And I think it gets also a little hard for them then to commit to one thing. Um, they all want to know, they want to know, have the direct answer. Yes, this will happen, right? Two plus two is four. I know that the variable never changes. And in work- You can argue whether or not it does equal four, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm using old math, not new math, so I think it does. But um, so, so, but I think because of that, it's they're they're spreading themselves in. They're trying to do too many different things, and then so they just can't do it all. And it's just it's kind of unfortunate then that they don't want to make a choice because they're afraid they're going to miss out on something. And then because of that, then time and punctuality just kind of becomes it's not that big of a deal because. I'm coming from here and I was doing this. So you should understand that that was really important. So, but I'm here now. And it's like, I hear you and that sounds really good, but you just devalued my time or my experience because of the other experience you did. I actually have a client where we have their, for general laborers, they're a remodeling company, their level one general labor pool piece of it. We actually have on there as part of the requirements is show up on time three days a week minimum, right? It's like, hey, we're, we we understand that maybe five days a week isn't what you're going to be, you know, the expectation obviously is five, but to go from that level one to that level two employee, showing up every day on time five days a week is, provides them the opportunity to get the bump. Showing up five days a week on time and in our company clothing and branded apparel is that next thing to get that next bump, right? They can do that if they want to show up in company gear two days a week and show up three days a week on time. Um, 
great because it's there and they know and they can adjust and adapt and plan for it. Um, but it is weird that we we built it in because of that lack of opportunity, because we know that, oh, it's, yep. Oh, yeah, it's cold out. Oh, you know what? I'm going to stop at Starbucks or I'm going to, I'm just going to make breakfast before I go and not worry that I'm going to be late because people are depending on me. I'm just going to show up when I get there. I know I'll be okay once I get there. It's like, and I would say to that, you no, know, too, just, and this is a societal observation, I guess I would say, is I don't feel that all humans nowadays take responsibility for their actions as to why they weren't there. It was the Starbucks line and the Starbucks employee that was slow. That's why I was late. It's not because I chose to go to Starbucks when I didn't have enough time. <laughs> That's a that's a different podcast episode, but I'm not going to disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. Um, so you started out teaching uh, after you got through with schooling, and you were working uh, tech ed, right? And we kind of talked about this before the show. You know, from 2008 to 2023, um, what kind of differences have you seen in our in our either a education system as to how we're treating and preparing students for success, however they define it, whether it's four-year or going to get a job? And what are the needs or differences that, that you're seeing between what the students are are looking for and asking for? So that yeah. so give us a little insight so the employer out there can understand that, hey, this is how kids are coming through. Because I'm a big believer of the employer needs to adapt to the new workforce. Doesn't mean we have to coddle to it, but we need to adapt and adjust and and make make those adjustments so that we have a an effective multi generational workforce, not an autocratic workforce. Because I don't think the younger generations are going to deal with the autocratic very well, and they're just going to say "f you" and they're going to be out the door. So, what have you seen over this you know period of time? So, 2005, when I left uh, college to become a tech ed teacher. Um, the shift in society was the trades job, tech ed, manufacturing, stuff like that was dying. You know, don't go into those fields and the shift in was society before then, trust me. Yeah, to, yeah, to that, yeah. So like, at, and I, you're right, it was dying before then. And I think we were at full swing at that time. School districts were gutting programs, getting rid of their shops, changing their programming. We are a college-bound service society. The, we don't need these jobs anymore. Um, and then it was just kind of for for the the people in the game like me, it was survival. And how do you show value in a traditional shop setting that's for those kids when we're training all kids to go to college? And maybe some of the kids you're teaching are not going to fit that mold. Um, so, So what does that look like? And for, for a while there, that was just the reality is tech ed as a whole was for those kids going into the trade for those kids. Now, let's fast forward to 2023. Uh, the Muskegon Illinois School District has a very, very high percentage. I want to say we're 80 percent uh, or more that identifies with a four year degree. Okay? We have a lot of families out here that are business owners, successful people that have gone to college. And in 2008, the kids were going to college. 
Right. Fast forward to today's date, I have seen a drastic paradigm shift in from the families. The messaging now is I want to support my children in what they are passionate about going into. I just may not know how to do that. And what I mean by that is I'm seeing a lot. So the third highest bubble in our career exploration software that we use that is pinged by our high school students is in the architecture, construction, building trades. Okay. So we are having a good amount of kids that are saying that this is a potential future career path for them. And what I've had more meetings about with parents is how do I help my student do this? And because I'm an accountant, I am in um, the healthcare industry and I want to support them. This is what they're passionate about. They love working with their hands. I just have no clue about starting it. And then, then you start talking about union, non-union, registered apprenticeships. What is all the other variables? We start talking about general labor, HVAC. And so there's so much out there. And so I have seen in my time being in education from 2005 for just those kids, programs being gutted and canceled to now, hey, this is a viable opportunity. This is a viable career path. If my child wants to do it, just let me know how I can support them. And, that, and that's what I'm looking for now is the resources to help them support. And I would say that just that statement kind of mirrored what happened in the Muskego Norway School District. We just passed a referendum to completely redo our uh, tech ed wing and kind mm-hmm. of bring in. More. So we went from having one class truly dedicated to the building trades, which is some rough framing, drywall, electrical. To I just worked with my team the other day because we have the new space. We're looking at bringing in a six sequencing of courses so our students can experience fundamental framing, HVAC, electrical and plumbing, foundation and masonry, uh, interior trim and exterior uh, and exterior. So, so yeah, I've awesome. seen. I, and, and yeah. I hope, so, so please don't take this the wrong way, Jim. I know you were the teacher of the tech ed. But please don't yeah. take it the wrong way. I am hoping that at least your your governing bodies and your your curriculum will be to drive it to what industry needs, not to drive it from a I'm going to teach a curriculum that is just going to be there to teach them, not to provide them wisdom and guidance. I will say that in our school district, when we redid our stuff out here, um New, new tech ed teachers coming in all excited going forward. We had our community partners in to kind of explain, this is what we want to see in the machine shop. This is what we want to see in the weld shop. This is what we want to see there. And it went fell on deaf ears. Um, and, and the business partners in the community weren't getting the skills taught that are going to make them employable, but they were passing the grades from an education perspective. And it's like, oh man, we missed an opportunity. Well, I will say um, back to just being fortunate and back to what I said about like making the relationships the grind. So that that's my job. And I'm excited about that is from the higher level, I can get out there and talk to our community partners to try to bring in what's relevant. Um, so with as we continue to do this, we keep talking to our industry partners about relevant certifications and how do we tie the curriculum to industry recognized certifications awesome. so that. So that it is preparing them for careers and not just academia hammer swinging one hundred and one. You know, this is this is how we're getting our kids ready. And and the hammer thing is a reality. Uh, Brad, we were at a dinner and we were. I remember an electrical contractor getting up there and he had a young kid. 
eager, showed up on time. He was super excited about that, but the kid didn't know how to swing a hammer. And he's like, I want to hire you, but I don't have the time to teach you to do that either. So, so yeah, no, a lot of work is going behind the scenes of, okay, this is what we're looking at from a high level. This, what are you asking for? What makes sense? How does this go? And so the reality is, is we can't service every business partner with every specific need, Correct. but what are the entry level skills that then you can run with and teach them? Right. You're not going to teach them if you're on a CNC machine, your specific ABV controller. You might be using a Siemens controller. You might, whatever, whatever Haas might put on their machines. You're not going to have that specific thing, but you're going to teach them, you know, some, some decent programming skills to be able to do that. Um, so that's awesome. What piece of advice would you have for um, these? So three-part question. So what piece of advice do you have for businesses out there to engage with their local schools? How to, what, what's an important aspect for them to come out to go find that talent would be the first piece of advice I'm looking for. The second piece of advice is what are you going, what, what advice would you give to um, the parents that are wanting to help their student or young adult find their way? And the third one is for the educators. What would you tell educators to do or support them or, or make that change of, of mindset? So we're not talking for an hour today? No, we're not talking for an hour. You got like two and a half minutes. It's all good. Right. Um, so to the business partners, the biggest thing I can tell you is be persistent. Um, one of the things which is unfortunate is not every school district has a person in a position such as mine. So my job is guided around building the network and the connections to help streamline and guide the work. So some of it, it might be a little more work for some different school districts to find the champion. And what I mean by the champion is the people that's going to help guide the work and bridge the relationship. Okay. So if you call and you get passed around to voicemail box, the voicemail box, and it falls on dead ears, uh, don't, don't ever just never call again. You, just, you might have to look at a different avenue or a different connection and try to find the right person that's going to champion and help build those relationships. Um, and to okay. the business partners, you're at a unique time. So there's a law, PI 26, academic career planning. So this is part of the Wisconsin legislature to do this work. So now this is on the radar of educational systems to keep this going forward. So you just have to find that right connection. When you find the right connection, it will help you guide the work forward. And I will also say to our business partners, there's people like me that that look at this as if you're doing what's right for Wisconsin, you're doing what's right for your school district. So there's strategic things that we are doing with some of my partners here that, yes, it benefits the Mosquito Illinois School District, but it also benefits Wisconsin. So there'll be people out there just helping, trying to champion the work that okay. may not be your job either. What about, what about the parents? What are you going to tell them? Uh, parents, everybody thinks they know what they want to do. Uh, when they're in a K-12 educational setting uh, and or maybe they're still trying to figure it out. But if your son or daughter right now gets very fixed and locked on a career profession and never looks at anything else, um, they may end up, your students may, may end up making a very expensive mistake. What I mean by that is 
I will see students as early as seventh grade tell me that they are going into the healthcare profession and they are going to be a nurse. They will center all of their education, all their schooling, all their career speakers, everything on that one area. And then when they actually get done with the training and get to the job site, they may find that they actually really don't like it. So make sure that you encourage your students to use their K-12 educational time to explore. Figure out what it is that you really do like. And if you do, after exploring, find, no, this is it. I got some work-based learning. I networked with a mentor, whatever that is. And now you can get the extra credentials and certifications while in school. That, that's amazing. But don't yeah. put all your eggs in one basket too early because I've seen that. And it's just, nope. I don't want to talk to this speaker. They bring no value to me. And I'm like, they might. You just got to talk to them. Right. Love that. And then what about for the educational systems around the uh, around the, the globe here? What what would you tell them to focus on or look at or piece of advice to help support uh, this blue-collar world? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's so many different things to give to them. But it, I'm going to say it's 2023, and we started the show off um, – make helping business partners understand how to work with the next generation coming up and better prepare them. Educators need to understand too, that the world has changed. And even though two plus two still equals four in some scenarios, that is um, how we offer education, how we do things, it can look differently and we can be proactive and innovative and we can make connections and relationships to make things more powerful. But if we get in a fixed mindset that this is how we've always done it, this is what it should be. The look worst like, words in society. And it is the worst words. And, and I would say in an educational institution, too often or not, those are words used often because for the most part, we have some very fixed variables of knowledge. Like this has been established over time and this is what we know. But like education is changing and society is changing. How do we adapt with the changes to work together to better prepare our students to be career ready? I, I love all those three pieces of advice and, and opportunistic here. If a school district, if a business partner, if an educator, a parent, somebody wants to reach out to learn more about maybe starting this in their community, it might be a smaller community or somewhere else around the state, around the country, how does somebody get a hold of? of Jim, the master of, of this program, um, to be able to uh, maybe spark something in their own communities. Uh, yeah, there's, there's two different ways about, about going about that. So a, I always enjoy having the conversation and, and kind of seeing where we go and how do we spark interest or give ideas. So email is usually always the best way. And Brad, I'll provide you some that contact follow up. But then also to the point, if we start talking, we want to get granular and we want help to start building programming for your areas. Um, I do have a uh, I do have a consulting business with a partner of mine, okay. um, Doug Lehman from the Monaco School District, that if you wanted to start pursuing things to start helping you build programming specific to your needs to kind of hit the ground running faster than maybe if you did it yourself, that would be another way of going about it. I'll, I'll provide both emails, my school right. email. We can have a light conversation about ideas to maybe help you move in the right direction. But if you want to get granular, I'll give you uh, my consulting company's email as well. And, okay. and we can help and work with you that way as well. Spectacular. Um, 
Jim, thank you so much for coming on today to share your knowledge and wisdom and, um, you know, take the win for not behaving as a millennial, even though you are in that category by birth, you know, not much we can do about that. If two plus two is going to equal four, then damn it, you're going to be a millennial. How's that sound? <laughs> hey, uh, Brad, thank you for having me on. I do appreciate it. And I enjoyed the conversation today. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, we'll see you at our next board meeting. All right. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.